Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. And this week on the panel we have Alan Weimar. Hello. Even from the beginning, that's so nice. And me, Sasha Wolf. And we have a special guest this week as usual and that is Dimitri Zorbas. And I probably botched that again, but hello Dimitri, why don't you tell us why hello, you're here hello. today? It's very nice to be here, thanks for having me. I think you managed to pronounce my name correctly. Hooray! Rare. So. <laughs> so, Dimitri, why don't you tell us why, why you're here today, why we invited you, and what's the interesting thing about you and the things you've done? Well, I can tell you a few things about a project I built recently. I call this project Brain, and it really is a smart brain that displays some quotes from my notes and Kindle highlights. I built that using uh, Nerves and uh, Elixir, of course and uh, scenic and live so it's this explosive mix of technologies and i don't really know where to start because this started as a weekend project because i've never had the time before to really spend more time with nerves i always find it very exciting so there was that weekend i quickly ordered a couple of e-ink screens one manufactured by wager and another one from Pimoroni. so yeah and i started working on that so previously, I, I built another thing, not in Elixir, but in Ruby this time, uh, another small project called Bookworm, because I needed something to automatically download all my uh, Kindle highlights and write some notes. So apologies for uh, talking about Ruby a bit. It's okay. Though, we forgive yeah, you. <laughs> the main topic is all Elixir. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. So yeah, so it all started with that uh, bookworm project I, I mentioned. It is a command line tool, it's open source, and GitHub, it automatically downloads Kindle highlights and stores them locally as JSON files. You can also sync your highlights and notes to Notion in a table, and you can even connect your other Notion pages to, to the Notion table with the notes. It sounds confusing, but I can explain this with uh, in more detail. So yeah, so what I really wanted in the beginning is to, to build some sort of uh, personal knowledge base. I don't know if you've ever tried doing anything like that yourself, or if you use tools to manage your notes. I, I'm using Notion myself, so mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's the first tool which actually managed to fit all the use cases I wanted to do, but about nothing, nothing self-built. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Notion is very powerful. I'm not tr really trying to 
you know, advocate for Notion. We're not getting paid for Notion ads or anything like that. We're not affiliated, I think I should say that. Maybe you are, I'm not. So yeah, initially I decided to have Bookworm sync notes to Notion because, you know, with Notion, you can quickly search them in a portable way, you know, because Notion has a mobile app, web interface, a desktop app, so on and so forth. Right, so I built this kind of personal knowledge base and I thought that the next step would be to have a more physical thing like a hardware thing on my desk and yeah that was a perfect opportunity to tinker a bit more with NURBS and at some point I saw that there was a new repo NURBS livebook so to give you the ability to deploy a livebook on your NURBS app without having to think about you know cross-compiling and all all that stuff is, you know, sorted. We just upload the pre-built firmware. So it was super easy to get started. At first, the only problem was that for the e-ink screen that I bought, the, the WaveShare one, there were no drivers. So I spent a good three or four hours trying to write my own drivers for Scenic because the whole UI is rendered on the screen using Scenic. And I have to admit that I failed. So yeah, it wasn't that easy to write a driver after all. And uh, thankfully, the next day, the Pimoroni e-ink screen was delivered. And that one was uh, working out of the box with drivers provided by an open source project called Inky. I don't know if you've seen that one. Yes, it's written by Lars Rickman. And I was yeah. actually in the room when he was porting it from Python to Elixir. Really? Back, yeah, it was, was like a few years ago at the Elixir Conf, and we were sitting in a cafe. That yeah. was, so it's fun to see, to see these things come back. Exactly. So uh, I've uh, read his blog posts. Yeah, quite inspiring stuff. I recommend to everyone listening to give them a read. Yeah, so thankfully there were drivers for the Inky, Pimoroni Inky e-ink screen. So the only problem with those screens is that they have a slow refresh rate. But for my use case, that wasn't really an issue because I don't really want the screen to be updated all the time. So one thing you might have noticed if you read the blog post is that it's a little bit mistitled. So it says something about the Pomodoro timer, but I would say that its main feature is not of it being a Pomodoro timer. I mean, you can find the Pomodoro timer, an app or whatever that does more things, um, or it might be easier to reset or whatever. So what I really needed was something that helps me revisit my notes, thoughts, and text, some of which I, I think they're worthy of uh, deeper thinking. And so this device, every 15 or 25 minutes, if this is configurable, it displays a different quote. At the moment, it displays a quote by DHH, something about Basecamp, that everyone should be paid the same. Yeah, this is an interesting thought, regardless of uh, whether you work from the remote book. Um, yeah, so I, I named it Brain because it runs on nerves and also because it has some of my thoughts and notes. I only now understood the reasoning there, nerves, brain, thoughts. Yeah, okay, yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> it's more of a personal project. It's not a commercial thing or something that I think that it will evolve into, like to have its own ecosystem or anything, you know, that grand. Yeah, so I, I think that us uh, engineers in general should exercise our imagination and creativity a bit more. Sometimes I feel that we get uh, overwhelmed with uh, our work tasks, with all the information that we consume. And yeah, it's uh, personally, sometimes I, I feel that I struggle, you know, focusing on things that I really think that matter. So yeah, 
Yeah, a, a typical workday might consist of uh, optimizing stuff, refactoring, and or taking care of technical debt. While in reality, we create more technical debt, but that never happens. Never. You're all about perfect code from the beginning. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I do too, but yeah, we shouldn't tell the secrets out in the public. Secret for perfect code. Yeah, so my experience with uh, Nerves and Scenic and Livebook was, uh, it was a great journey. I'm looking forward to finding an idea for the next project or making additions to uh, the brain project. Yeah, so what's great about Nerves is that you can quickly get an application up and running on the supported hardware. In this case, brain is running on Raspberry Pi 2, not bleeding edge, but it's, it's enough to run. Elixir. Scenic is amazing because you can even modify the scene, the UI, by writing code from within the livebook instance running on the Raspberry Pi. And then you just trigger an update by sending a message. Then, like, like, how, how does that work? Is like then like livebook running like an HTTP server and you just go there and then write the code on there and then it basically runs that on the device itself? Or, or how does that work? Yes. So Nerf's livebook by default runs the code, all the Elixir code snippets on on the single node. I think this is called the embedded mode. So any code changes that you make, if you define a module, for example, it will be globally available for any connection, any new session, any new live session, right? So uh, usually a live book, I think, creates a new evaluation kernel for every session, but due to the resource constraints of, uh, you know, uh, Raspberry Pi, the decision for Livebook Nerves was to, to to run in embedded mode. So what happens is that you can define a new scene, define any modules, and it's like uh, hot code reloading, really. It's similar to that. Yeah, and as you said, Livebook exposes itself on uh, nerves.local, so on the network. So from your laptop, you go to nerves.local, then you have a live book, you create a notebook and start adding, start coding, and this code evaluates within your Raspberry Pi. And you're even able to change what's on the screen without uploading new firmware. I think this is fantastic because uh, it's so well documented. You don't really, you know, you don't really need to read the code, nerves, you don't really need to know exactly how it's working to start developing. And what's also amazing is that with this, you always have a live book instance available. We don't really need to host it on you know, Fly.io, Heroku, whatever, your hoster of your, your choice. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and your data stays local. So like, how, how long all in all did it take you to build this? Like, I mean, you, you mentioned the book from library and I have a few questions like later down the road, but maybe like to actually assume like you had the bookworm thing already done, like how long did it take you to like unpackaging, for example, the Raspberry Pi and then starting with Nerves until this was done? I would say a few hours. Only a few hours? Yeah. The That's hardest really part was uh, what I mentioned about writing the drivers for the wave share in mm -hmm. screen, which, yeah, was a failure in the end. So I spent more time on trying to write the drivers, then really implementing the, the rest of the UI because it's a very simple UI. You know, on the, on the header, you see the uh, current week, the temperature outside, the date, and then below you have uh, a quote and the author. I didn't. I, I wanted this to be pretty uh, minimalistic, otherwise it would be noise. So yeah, I don't think it's that hard to, to write something like this. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I mean, I love these these stories of of 
all, how all these different parts of developer experience come together mm-hmm. and to make it easy to build these kind of projects. And I think the nerves is a really, really, really picture book example of this, right? Because there's Silicon Valley development as, as long as they're not like doing microcontrollers, which will have more different requirements yeah. in terms of memory and everything. It really gets out of the way a lot of the nitty gritty stuff of mm-hmm. development. So yeah, I'd love to see this. And also like, I love to see, I love to see this, this idea of yours because I, I, I personally don't own a Kindle. I own a, a Tolino, which is like the German, mm-hmm. the German equivalent of a Kindle basically. <laughs> and okay. um, I, I always wondered what to do with like the highlights because from time to time you have these moments where you like highlights a specific section in the book because mm-hmm. you really like it. But then I always think, yeah, what, what, what should I do about that now? Right? Like, I'm not, I'm not, don't think I'm going to go back into that book to look at my highlights. I think I maybe did that once, mm-hmm. but to, to, to do this here, like to have it already always at reach, it's a really, really cool idea, I think. Yeah. And another thing we, you can do with Brain uh, is that all your notes and highlights become searchable. And th- this is quite easy because with the Livebook and Livebook note- Notebooks, it's quite easy to add an input. So you yeah. add an input and then you uh, add a data table, keynote data table to just filter the results. So what I originally started doing with Notion, it's even faster with uh, uh, that thing that I have running on the Raspberry Pi. You also remove the whole network latency, right? Like because yeah, it's yeah. running locally. Yeah, it's sense. a JSON file that it's like a couple of megabytes. So it, it, it's quite fast to, you know, to do this um, yeah. uh, regular expression uh, search, to implement this and to have this running on Raspberry it- and if you ever go bigger, you could put like a SQLite or whatever on it, right? So you could, could, could do that if it becomes too big at some point. Anyway, I can certainly see how, how, how this is useful. Um, I have like one question, like circling back maybe a bit, because mm-hmm. I'm just curious. Uh, on the bookworm thing, like, is this like using a, like a public API from Kindle? Is this a thing or how does it, that work? That's a really good question. No, it's not using a public API because there is no such API. I would have been surprised, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to keep my highlights uh, locally, to export them. So the exporting experience at the moment is not great. You have to find the sub-menu item on the Kindle to export them or email the, the highlights. But you have to do this once per book. So ah, if you have like okay. 200 books in your library, you, this will take ages. So... To answer your question, this works by sort of scraping. And this is why the project is a Ruby one, because there was already a gem, a Ruby library that connects to the, um, does this sort of scraping, but it doesn't do the downloading and organizing. So Bookworm does a bit more than just downloading your internet. It tries to organize them by ISBN, and you can also search them. Uh, it tries to be a bit smart so that the downloads are incremental. And so that the JSON file that it creates, it, that it's easy to check in Git. So you, you re-download your more, most recent highlights and Git commit. You do a Git commit and you're done. And yeah, and, and it, just by using Git, it becomes a bit, it's, yeah, you have a way to store it, not just locally, but, you know, you can retrieve your notes from anywhere, basically. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Now I'm, I'm having, uh, I'm starting to have thoughts whether I over-engineered it. So yeah, it started as a side project, weekend project to exercise, you know, my creativity and do something that does not look like work. And I ended up coding something that is not trivial. And I'm using a, a Elixir and a bit of Ruby. 
So yeah, I, I leave that up to you. <laughs> Tell me whether it's over engineered or not. Yeah, if, if if it works, I'm not gonna judge. At least not for a personal project. I think. I mean, what other place to safely maybe even over engineer than a personal project? Because after all, I mean, a lot of those of a lot of us probably do that to learn a bit more and to tinker around with things we might not be able to try out in the mm -hmm. serious production business world, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So I don't really regret it or anything. And it had a very clear outcome. So I have a device on my desk. So that's something. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty. Like, I, I never have yet really gone into the whole hardware tinkering. I still have a Raspberry Pi here, which I bought ages ago and never really used. Mm. <laughs> so having this physical yeah. device is, is pretty cool if you find the time to tinker with it. Yeah, I, I got myself a Raspberry Pi Zero when they uh, started the sales. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I still don't know what to do, but something tells me that it should also be a nerves device and I should connect it to brain somehow. But this is the engineer speaking, not really, uh, it's not a necessity or anything. I haven't found the proper uh, use case. I can, can set up some Sonos speakers and then like wake up with some inspirational quote from your brain. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and, in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships, and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. So you actually wrote on your, on your on your blog post that like your device also has a camera and that you want to do something with that. So so what what's this about? Like what's the next step of your brain? Does it start like to 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 watch your facial expression um, expressions and to recognize when you read something inspirational? Or <laughs> what's the idea? Yeah, yeah, that would be an idea to uh, display a quote based on my mood or something. But my first thought was to implement uh, gesture recognition. So because uh, it is in front of me at an angle that it can see my hands, right? So and my face. So I need to do something with that. Either detect my mood or recognize gestures. So for example, yeah, with a hand motion to the left, it could show the next quote. And of course, this would be like a gimmick. I would implement this for fun. It's not like I cannot do without this feature. But I saw that there is a new Elixir project uh, with. Uh, Uh, bindings to OpenCV. I don't know if you've seen that. It's called eVision. No, I don't think I've seen that, but yeah, I'll uh, link it in the show notes. Mm -hmm. So with this project, yeah, I'm very intrigued to use this. And uh, I think they tested this to work on, on the Raspberry, you know, the ARM architecture and with nerds. So I think, yeah, so be amazing to implement just recognition. Then you can do like some swiping through the quotes or, or what's, what's the plan there? Yeah, something as simple as that to show the next or the previous quote or something like that. <laughs> I'm not sure yet. But yeah, there are many thoughts or small improvements that they could make. For example, at the moment, it doesn't update the, the, its database. So I have to redeploy when there are changes. But at the same time, 
my notes are public. So there is a repo, I think it's named uh, Notes, with all my notes and Kindle highlights. And I think I could change it so that it fetches that, you know, and updates automatically its uh, database. I think, I think I'm using ETS or not, I cannot remember, but it's open source. You can find out if you want. Both Brain and Worm, they're, they're both open source. Yeah, so, I mean, Nerves is uh, kind of tricky. Like, what, what do you think was the most complicated part when you started working with Nerves? I mean, I think you said you're originally from Ruby, right? It's kind of a whole new process yeah. for you. No, I, I only tried Nerves for the first time a couple of years back when I tried to make a, build a smart recycling bin. And this is an unfinished project. So again, on a Raspberry Pi, I wanted to have uh, a recycling bin that recognizes the recycling labels on packaging. And based on that, it would open uh, the lead to container, the appropriate container, or, the, or it would tell you that this thing is not recyclable. Just throw it in the bin. So I, I used Nerds for that, but back in the day, uh, there was there, there were no machine learning libraries. So now you know you uh, you're following the recent developments with uh, Axon and you know all the work that's being done in this domain. So I, I might I might give it a go again, finally finish this project. But uh, yeah, to, to answer your question, what was the most challenging part? I, I would say that I, I wasn't sure about compatibility because it does support Raspberry Pi 2, but Raspberry Pi 2 doesn't have a w- Wi-Fi chip. So I, I've, I'm using a Wi-Fi dongle, an external USB Wi-Fi adapter, and I wasn't sure whether that would be supported. But it, it worked out of the box, so I cannot really complain. I was worried about that a bit, that I might have to find a way to install drivers. And I'm not really sure how one can do this. In nerves. Um, so I think this is done with because it's using build root underneath. So I think there's ways mm-hmm. that you could just include stuff, if I remember correctly. And there's also something called overlays, which is something yeah. you can also do. I, I played around a while back, but it's been a while since I touched it. Yeah, yeah. But how did you test such a thing? I, I'm new to the nerves, you know, ecosystem, so I still have lots of questions. I would like, to, you know, to have builds that are reproducible and that you can test them locally without even having a device. So in theory, that should be possible. But yeah, it's not a part that was completely straightforward, maybe because people don't really need that. When things work, why would you dig deeper into such things? I mean, like to test it, right? I mean, if it's testing your own hardware, you could just burn it to a... I mean, it's pretty simple to to add, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's just SD card. So it's not too difficult to, to test in that way. But I mean, reproducible, I, uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is that, for example, when you are on a Linux distribution, you might want to say, or or even in an Elixir project, you might want to pin the versions of the libraries that you use, the hex packages. But if you start you know, adding bash scripts, it's not really certain that you will end up with the exact same uh, image every time you try to create this by running the script or whatever you need to create the, the overlays you just mentioned. Yeah, there's uh, probably better to reach out to the NERVS community to ask them this kind of question. I'm still quite new about how it works, but yeah, they make it seem quite simple. I'm, I'm guessing once you mm-hmm. start wrapping your head around how every little piece works, it should be straightforward what you need to do, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I've read some articles and some people have even embedded a, you know, a Python interpreter for some stuff, so it shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I was even thinking about doing that for the recycling project I mentioned, because with Python, at the time, it was easier to implement machine learning stuff. It's probably still easier compared to Elixir. Yeah, so 
other things that I can I could do with this is yeah to start using the new machine learning libraries because there's all these quotes so I could even have it generate quotes that wouldn't really be useful would be something I would do for fun yeah and also livebook on its own it's an incredible piece of software and they release new updates all the time. What I like about this project of yours is like how different parts of the Elixir ecosystem can be together. Like we have with Inky, for the Inky display, by, written by Lars Wittmann. We have a live book, and Nerves live book, then coming together with Nerves and all of that, then used together building like something which is bigger than the sum of their parts. So I, I feel like this is a story which repeats over and over in, in the Elixir ecosystem, mm -hmm. like how all these small little things come together to, to, to create yeah. something bigger. I mean, like live book, for example, was enabled by live view at first, right? So like, and then having this, this, this under the hood to enable you to actually write some code and run it. So yeah. I feel like there's there's a bigger vision in some of the people in the ecosystem when they when they create some of these parts. And I'm mm -hmm. curious to see also how, how the um, machine learning stuff will, will factor into that. Like who knows? Like well, what's the next like life machine learning or <laughs> life life axon <laughs> or whatever? Yeah. So yeah. this is really it's really interesting to see all of that evolve and interlink and create something new and exciting yeah i would say that's what you just said is one of the main advantages of elixir uh, not the language but the ecosystem that uh, all the communities converging to use just a few really well maintained well documented libraries so and it all comes together in the end so it is amazing that you can have uh, a nerves scenic and live book project running on a raspberry pi without any issues you know it works out of the box Yeah. Documentation is great. You just follow the tutor tutorial and it works. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, I was reading um, something on Hacker News about Leonardo da Vinci's notebooks. I don't know if you saw that one. Nah. So, uh, but da Vinci, feel, feel free to share it and you can also include it in the, in the show notes. Maybe I, if you can I, find I it can again. Share, yeah, I can share a link to, the, to his notebooks. So da Vinci, in a sense, he was the original alchemist, right? Yeah, he was unaware, completely unaware of uh, Elixir. But uh, if, he's, if you start reading through his notebooks, the way that he added technical diagrams, drawings, in a sense, you can really pick into his mind. And I think that's amazing. And I think this is something that we can achieve uh, with live. So documentation, for example, for a project doesn't have to be this static thing, like uh, Yardoc for Ruby, for example, that nobody really cares. Nobody reads Yardoc documentation. It, if you have a project like a code base that generates such uh, documentation automatically, nobody really cares. But with Livebook, it, it is more, you know, live. It's something that you really feel that you can explain things to others. So they can read your notes and they can understand what you were working on. And I, th I think this has unlocked, for me, it has unlocked, you know, parts of uh, the developer that I never really... I've never really thought of myself as that kind of person. Before I was like, I, I felt a bit constrained by having to write from a code from an editor. Like I use Vim personally, but you know, you have all those linters and tools and you know when you should commit the code, when you should run your tests. Livebook, you just, you're just experimenting and you can even connect to a running instance. So yeah. I have so many ideas about things I, I want to build with Livebook. It, it will take two or three episodes to describe them all, I think. So, yeah.
I'm not saying that for you to invite me again. I'm just saying that. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I understood. Like the, the invitation <laughs> is already pending. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like in one year from now, we're going to see you again at the at the latest, mm. I guess. <laughs> Three weeks from now. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Three yeah. weeks from now. So like probably more two weeks when you listen to this. <laughs> yeah, so many ideas. So many ideas. So the other day, I and this is probably going to be the topic of my next blog post. I wanted to find a way to animate things. So I started by writing a proposal, creating the GitHub issue on uh, Livebook. And my proposal was to have something to create animations or simply refresh the screen and be able to replace you know, an output cell with a new one, because that wasn't something that we could do. And yeah, the, the maintainers reacted almost instantly. They responded, and I think in a day or two it was implemented. And now there is a keynote.animate is a function you could use to animate, you know, the output. And I think the same day I wrote a quick implementation of uh, Game of Life that would render SVG graphics, uh, you know, Game of Life. So yeah, and that was something that was uh, incredibly fun for me to do. And I, I wouldn't have done without like it would be boring, you know, to just write the code and see this, uh, see the output in the terminal. I've done this before many times, but to have an interactive notebook like this, it is game changer. So I know that us uh, engineers are not that much of a graphical people. So some of us prefer the the comfort of our terminal, but I think this can change. This can change. So we can compartmentalize, you know. The parts of our brain that want to just express themselves and build something that's fun, separate this from the strict business requirements, the, the work tasks. Yeah, it's also like, I feel like Lifebook will be especially very, especially valuable for any kind of learning, where especially in the context of documentation, but then you can maybe even try out things directly from the documentation by spawning yeah. up a node and like, or maybe even having it run in the cloud somewhere. And see like how this particular library or how this particular framework can help you solve your problems. Yeah, I think the next step is probably going to be for uh, Livebook to to let you create storybooks. I don't know if you've seen storybooks in the React and the front-end world. You have your components and you can create a storybook to demonstrate and you know play with all your components. So I think this should be achievable with Livebook and you know live components and live views. They have something to be able to see all your components in the same place. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. And for documentation, there are so many things that one can do. So one of the things that I tried doing was to, I created a notebook that would, uh, you would give it as an input, the name of a package, a hex package, and it would download it and print the markdown, generate using xdoc all the, as a markdown, all the documentation for that package. And you would have this within the same notebook. And in theory, that was great. But then uh, a few weeks later, the they added auto-completion to Lifebook. So there is no need for that anymore. So, you know, you can hover over any of uh, any module and you will see the documentation. And this is great. This is, you know, so much progress in so little time. Or I can imagine, for example, having a notebook where you give it a URL, it downloads the specification for an API, let's say an open API spec, and it creates sections within a notebook for all the API calls and you can make the HTTP requests. That can also be useful. 
Yeah, but, certainly some exciting opportunities. I'm, I'm really curious to see what, what's going to happen and what's going to be built by the community down the road. Or you can hook up all these nerves devices and have some kind of neural network that, you know, does something. I don't know. Like, don't you have an NX, right? You got Livebook. Yeah. So you can hook them all together and do some kind of interesting multi-pi processing that could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Because I always see on YouTube, you got that guy who's got this pie cluster, right? Have you ever seen that before? I feel like everybody wants to build a pie cluster. <laughs> I mean, that's also like a, a list of things I want to do, like create a cluster of Raspberry Pis with Kubernetes, and then even maybe clustering it up with Erlang as the next step, just just because I can and to learn it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cluster of pies. It's not as tasty as the real deal, but still interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks cool, but you won't really know what to do with it. I mean, yeah. Have to be an issue. Ah, it's a nice good. problem to have if you run out of ideas. Yeah, it's, it's a great, good. it's a great solution for a problem I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> okay, folks. Uh, Alan, any last questions you would like to direct to Dimitri? No, nothing's nothing's coming to mind. I mean, the article is pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, e ink stuff's pretty cool, but I mean, doing animations on e ink is not really the most performant, if I remember correctly, just based on the way e ink works. Yeah, yeah. No refresh. Yeah, but it's horrible. Yeah, but you don't have to run the animations on the in screen. You can run them on the from within the notebook. Yeah, okay, that makes sense if you're just visiting with a browser. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but the whole point of nervous is I want to draw stuff on a little bitty screen. You know, forget about the <laughs> the sixty inch TV I have at home. I wanted the the smallest screen possible. <laughs> For some reason, that's more satisfying. So, uh, Dimitri, if people want to reach out to you and get in co- get in touch, how do they do that best? They can find me on Twitter. I think my Twitter handle is underscore Zorbash, it's an H, Z-O-R-B-A-S-H, or GitHub, or, yeah, plenty of ways. Okay, nice. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Um, then I'm going to transition us to picks. And Alan, since I'm transitioning, why don't you start off? Yeah, so my pick, which I don't think I picked it before. Um, sorry, thanks for reminding me. So uh, yeah, it's called uh, Refactoring to uh, Rust. So I don't know if I picked this one before, but it's been quite useful. So I've been trying to add, trickle down, adding some Rust to things that are just not so performant. And this book has been fantastic for me to actually learn more about how the hell to do that. It's still in beta, but the book, but it's been really, really good so far. So if you're interested in adding Rust to your projects, I highly recommend it. It's an awesome book. I have a question. I gotta, how do you do that? How do you come with a new Rust book every week? <laughs> There's a, there's, a, there's a new Rust book every week, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you actually read every one of those? It's insane. They're all in Meep on Manning. So, yeah. I, and it's easy to read because there are only three or four chapters each book. Yeah, so okay. I finished them in a couple of days. Fair enough. Fair enough. I know. It's odd, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, at least it's consistent. Let's say that. I, I, I got to be... When he says I'm going to pull out a, a Zig book or something totally random... <laughs> Yeah, that let me know you look, you, you've been st- taken hostage and we should send police. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when, when they say, you know, don't don't shoot me, shoot the other guy. And then they shoot that that guy. <laughs> he'd never pass up a chance to, to, to be killed. Come on, it's not him. <laughs> Something totally random like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
my picks for this week, two things, also two books, but so one is more on the fun side and it's a book I've literally finished today reading. It's The Lies of Locke Lamora. It's a fantasy book. It's in about a good of con artists in like a fantasy-esque uh, city full of crime and intrigue. And it's very much entertaining to read if you're like into that kind of, that kind of things. Lots, lots of smart heists happening and lots of smart plans being being done. And the other is a software development book. It's called Specification by Example. Mm. And it's a book about lots of do's and don'ts, basically. It's based on case studies being done with a lot of successful companies and how they actually managed to deliver in a reasonable time frame and a reasonable amount of monetary investments projects by their customers and like what they did and like what what's maybe common among all of these projects and what they didn't or that was didn't which didn't work so it's really really interesting and also surprisingly there if you are familiar with domain driven design there's a lot of overlap there even though the book is not specifically about domain driven design but a lot of the things which come from domain driven design can also be found in this book as like things you should probably do for example working with domain experts and all that kind of thing so it's really really interesting and like that like split up into these digestible chunks of like hey, these are things which you should do because of this reason and these are things you should, should avoid because of that reason so i felt it's um, never that, that dull to read and easy to read in small chunks yeah th- those are my picks for a week dimitri why don't you mm. have some picks for us if you have any it's fine if you don't i do i do so yeah i mentioned leonardo da vinci's notebook so i think if you google it one of the top links will probably be a link to that to the, to the archives that very interesting my other pick has to be a project that I'm working on, and it is. We spoke about uh, knowledge bases, so uh, that project is Depter.io. It is uh, a kind of knowledge base for teams. You can add your bookmarks, your notes, your uh, short links to other stuff, and the idea is that you will be able to find, you know, you will be able to collaborate with your team and always quickly find, you know, what you need. For example, imagine looking for the stand-up link or uh, the the link for Elixir Mix or something. So you need to type the list number of characters on your keyboard or any device and find exactly what you need. And I think, yeah, I'm not sure whether I have whether we have time for a third pick. Sure, go ahead, go ahead. The more picks, so, the merrier. Yeah, I would definitely recommend watching Jose uh, solving Advent Code on Twitch and reading through his solutions. It's very, you, you always have to learn something, you know, when the creator of the language uses the language uh, in real time trying to solve a problem. Yeah, I'm out of picks. Yeah, but nice free picks. The sum of Alan's and mine, my picks, it's a number of your picks. Okay. Yeah, then thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. It was great. It was fun. And tune in next time when we have another episode of Elixir Mix. Bye, folks. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.